Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. And strength to follow on the path that you set before us. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. I invite you to turn with me if you desire in your own Bible or in the Bible found there in the pew around you. 2 Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Hear now these words. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my Lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent message to to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored And you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached him and said, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then He returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know 
that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week, uh, I thought on Monday that I had my sermon completely written. I wrote the questions, the discussion questions that we include in the bulletin. I thought I had everything ready. And then the week happened. And I found myself rewriting this message so many times, just this morning alone. And so we come together. It's a troubling week. I'm so thankful for that prayer that Pastor Corey offered us earlier. But as we come into this space, let's come seeking his peace. Let us pray. Lord God, in the midst of all the chaos, bring your peace. In the midst of all the troubles, speak your peace. As Jesus spoke peace to the storms, would you speak peace to the storms in our lives? And as we come together today, Lord, would the Spirit speak? By the power of your Spirit, transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the Word of God that we need to hear today. As individuals, and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. On Monday, Thursday, I started my message by sharing a quote that I first learned from my good professor friend over here, Dr. Grant Wacker, over 20 years ago at Duke Divinity School. That quote is one that, as I shared it on Monday Thursday, is one that haunts me and I keep in the forefront of my mind to serve as a guide for the way that I live and the way that I love. And that quote is from Dorothy Day, and it says, I only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. That quote stomps on my toes over and over. That I only love God as much as the person I love the least. And I find that one so troubling. Because some people are difficult to love. And if I measure how much I really love God by how much I love those people that are really difficult to love, then that doesn't make me feel very good. I struggle with that quote because I do find it to be this accurate test of how we really do love God and how we love God's people. And I shared that quote on Monday Thursday because on Monday Thursday, we're reminded of something amazing that happens on that evening as Jesus gathers in the upper room with his disciples for one last meal that they're going to share together. He knows what is to come that night. He knows what is to come the next day. He knows it all. And yet, as they gather together in that time, Jesus humbles himself. And Jesus put the towel around his waist. And then he washed the feet of each one of those disciples. Yes, even Peter. Yes, even Judas. Jesus demonstrated this love. But then when he got to the table, 
He spoke of that love, and he gave them this new commandment, this new commandment, which is where we get that word Maundy for Maundy Thursday, the new commandment that you would love one another even as he loves you, that you would love one another even as God has loved us. And see, that's ramping up the game quite a bit from what we originally had known as the golden rule, just do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But here he ramps it up quite a bit because it's not just what you do. It's how you love, that you would love one another even as God loves us. That's a hard, hard thing. It's a hard thing for us to hear and to live. And what does that look like? Well, I want to look at what that looks like through the story of Naaman. As we read just a few moments ago, Naaman is the captain of the army of the king of Aram. He is the captain of the army of the king of Aram. And Aram, the Aramean army, has been at odds with Israel. They've had battles. And just recently before this passage, Naaman has led his people into victory against Israel. He is a great man in favor of the king. The king respects him and all of his people look upon him because the Lord had given him victory, as the scripture said just there, that the Lord had given him victory by Aram, uh, to Aram through him and his leadership. He was a mighty and valiant warrior, revered and respected. But in spite of all that, Naaman suffered from leprosy. I always find it interesting to read through different translations. And and in the New Revised Standard, they don't really say it this way. But in a lot of the other translations, they'll say all these things about how Naaman is the captain of the army of the king of Aram. Naaman is a man in great favor. Naaman is highly respected. He's a valiant and mighty warrior. But he also suffered leprosy. It's funny, as I was reading through my commentaries about this very passage, I looked up in Matthew Henry's concise commentary of the Bible, first published back in 1708. And here is the quote that Matthew Henry wrote. Every man has some but or other in his character, something that blemishes and diminishes him. I'm telling you what, 8th grade Adam Seat finds that just as funny as 50-year-old Adam Seat. Every man has some but or other in his character, something that blemishes and diminishes him. That, that everybody has something that's, that's so true, isn't it? All of us may put on this portrayal that everything is great, that everything, that we're mighty, we're valiant, we're smart, we're wise, we do all the right things, but in the end, there's still... Something within us that makes us an other. There is a but. All of us deal with that thing. And a lot of times we try to cover it up. And we don't want anyone else to see or to know that that hurt is there, that that hurt exists. And so we put on our fronts, we put on our mask almost, hiding from the world that thing which we suffer from. But Naaman can't hide it. The whole time. Scripture, as it goes on, it says that Naaman at his home, he's lamenting about this leprosy, this skin condition that he's dealt with. One that has not prevented him from continuing to be this mighty valiant warrior, but it is one that nonetheless he suffers from. 
And it says that in the scripture there that from one of their raids into Israel, they had taken this young Jewish girl who was serving as his wife's servant. And she sees Naaman. She sees him when he takes off the mask. She sees the suffering, the hurt that he's dealing with. And she says, oh, would he go before the prophet in Israel who would bring him healing? As this word comes to Naaman, he finds this opportunity for hope. And so Naaman goes to the king and he tells him what this servant girl from Israel has said. And the the king understands his suffering and the king says, you know what, go and I will send you a letter. I'll write it myself and the letter will be offering the bribe of silver and gold and fine garments. Oh, that he would bring you healing. So the scripture says then that Naaman goes and he presents this letter and all of these gifts to the king and the king reads it and he thinks this is simply an attempt to bring about another battle. Because who can cure leprosy? The king tears his garments because he feels lost. He feels hopeless. He feels the reality of the hurt. And he knows that there is no way out. But Elisha learns of what the king has done. And Elisha sends message, tell him to come to me. Let him know that there is still a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman and all of his company make their way to, Naaman, to Elisha's house. And as Elisha's there, Elisha doesn't even come out to meet him. Elisha just sends a messenger and says, go bathe in the Jordan seven times. Dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and you shall be made whole. You shall be made clean. Now, how many of you have ever had an opportunity to actually see the Jordan River? Any of you? Have you? Yeah. There are some places that the Jordan River is, is clean. It looks nice. You get in the water. Uh, you can remember your baptism. You can see all the way down to the bottom. Some places the Jordan River is really pretty, really nice. Some places it is a muddy and murky and disgusting looking stream of water. Now, when Naaman hears Elisha say, go bathe in the Jordan, that's the Jordan River I picture Naaman has heard him say, go to bathe in. Naaman is livid. The scripture even says he leaves in a rage. He is expecting that Elisha would at least come out. And he had heard the tales of Elijah and the way that Elijah called down the fire from heaven and defeated the prophets of Baal. And so he's imagining that Elisha is going to come out and just call down God to make him whole and clean. And instead, he receives word to go and bathe in that dirty, murky, muddy water. He is furious. He is irate. But one of his servants say, but had he told you to do something great, you would have done it. Why not do this simple thing? And so then Naaman goes and he gets in the river and he washes. He's made clean. And I love what he says when he comes. He comes back and this time he does get to stand before Elisha. And he says, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now I know that there is no God except the God in Israel. This is a beautiful thing. And when I see that Elisha offering this, this healing, 
to the hurt that Naaman had been experiencing. That's where I understand this mandate that we would love one another even as God has loved us. Because when Naaman comes to Elisha, Naaman is his enemy. Naaman has struck and killed people of Israel. He has every reason to curse him instead of bless him. Naaman has come, and yet he is the vilest offender against the people of Israel. But what does Elisha do? Elisha offers him hope. Elisha meets that hurt right where he is. Friends, I think that for us, it's this reminder that the Spirit of God speaks to all. The Spirit of God speaks in spite of our differences, all the things that divide us. When Naaman came to Elisha, Elisha didn't ask him to identify which political party he was a part of. He didn't ask him which gender or orientation he was. He didn't ask him anything. He just gave him his love. He just gave him hope. He met the hurt right where it was. And I think that that is how God is calling us as the people of God, to be able to meet people right where they are, to right join with them right where their hurt is, that we would run into that hurt and offer hope and healing. And it's then that people will come to know and believe in the one true God, just as Naaman came to know and believe. In a way, it reminds me of a song by an old group called The Monkees. You might have heard of them. There's a song called I'm a Believer that goes like, I thought love was only true in fairy tales and meant for someone else, but not for me. Love was out to get me, do, do, do. That's the way it seemed, do, do, do. Disappointment haunted all my dreams. But then I saw your face, now I'm a believer, not a trace of doubt in my mind. I'm in love, I'm a believer, I couldn't leave you if I tried. See, in that song, he's singing about how he didn't know, he didn't believe in love until he saw it. And once he saw it, he knew it and believed it. And I believe for us as the people of God, we have got to live a life and live love so much that when people look upon us, they don't see the things that divide us. They instead see the things that unite us. And the thing that unites us is the love of God and the love that is demonstrated through Jesus Christ who died to pay a price for us that we ourselves can never pay. I believe that God is calling us to be a people. And I'm so thankful to be a part of a body of Christ that is intentional to help everyone, everyone. No dividing, no, 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 any exceptions. Everyone find their place in God's story. I believe that we are called to be a part of a body of Christ that welcomes and includes all people. And I believe that we are called to be a representation of the body of Christ in the world today that runs into every hurt and every pain and every time of crisis and every place of need that we would go and we would be the love of God that the world needs today. And then when we do, just like Naaman, I believe that they too will see and believe and know that there is one true God. Friends, the Spirit speaks, and the Spirit speaks to all people. And I believe the Spirit can speak through us. And we are able to live and to love even those that we love the least. To love them the way God loves us. 
in the world will find the peace and the hope that we seek. May we allow the Spirit to speak to all through us. Let us pray. Spirit of God, you speak to us in many different ways. And today, may we hear your spirit speak to us as you call us to respond to your love. Lord, you meet us right in the midst of our hurt. And we all have a hurt. We may try to hide it. We may try to not let anyone else see and know. But just like Naaman, we have a hurt. The first step to healing only comes when we acknowledge that hurt to you. And so today, Lord, whatever it is that it is our hurt, maybe it's the worry or fear over things that are going on within the world. Maybe that hurt is the way that the world has treated us. Whatever our hurt is, Lord, may we be willing to acknowledge it to you today. And pour out your spirit. May your spirit wash over us. May it be a balm to those wounds, to that hurt. But Lord, as you, you demonstrate this incredible love, how you meet us right where we are and in the midst of our hurt, may we be made new in such a way that we're able to show that love to the world, a world that is filled with so much hatred and hurt and confusion, and yet through you, they can find the love, the healing, the clarity. And so God, in your mercy, may you pour out your Holy Spirit in us in such a way that we are able to share your love with all, with all the world. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.